If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Oh, welcome, oh, welcome, everybody. It's episode 408 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Lucas Radibi of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. as again, we talk about MMA, you know, plenty of us, as always. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped, and spring has sprung with our friends over at Manscaped, the leaders in Below the Waist Grooming, and they have the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants trust me your confidence will be blooming like flowers look your best this spring and join the other 8 million men worldwide who trust manscaped use the promo code severe may to get 20 percent off and free shipping over at manscaped.com and uh, it's it's been well over a year now since myself and Graham have been using Manscaped and that Manscaped uh, performance package 4.0 is absolutely brilliant, still going strong. Uh, inside the, the bundle you have the Lawnmower 4.0 as well as the Weed Whacker for your uh, ear and nose hair, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop uh, Reviver Toner, the Boxer Briefs and the Travel Bag as well. So let's talk about the Lawnmower 4.0. It's an electric trimmer that provides uh, the proprietary advanced skin safe technology. Uh, it, uh, it's designed to be used on loose skin. Uh, although your balls might lo- look like punching bags, don't treat them like that. It's waterproof and equipped with an LED light uh, so you can trim in the dark or in the shower nose hair ear hair is that attractive no no one finds that attractive so you need a weed whacker to get rid of that hair uh again that has a proprietary skin self technology uh which helps to reduce nicks snags uh, and tugs uh the package also comes with the crop preserver uh deodorant and crop reviver ball toner everyone knows they're my favorite now at this stage they're absolutely brilliant and put them in your shed travel bag, which is a free gift, along with the boxer briefs, which I know everyone finds absolutely brilliant. Always use the right tools for the job and head to their website and check out all of the tools to help you upgrade your hygiene routine. So save 20% and get free shipping with that code severemmanscape.com. It's 20% off and free shipping with the code severemmanscape.com. Your balls will thank you. All right, Graham, let's... Uh Let's talk a little bit about mixed martial arts. And actually, before we do, we were just talking there off air before we started that uh, I don't know if it'll be, it'll probably hopefully be up by the time we, we get this. But uh, Ian was uh, in Ireland and he interviewed uh, Danny McCormick. I, I think there's an interview with Sean O'Bannon and, uh, as well coming that we just, uh, I think that was just happening as we were coming live here. But the interview with uh, Danny, we, we've both been able to check it out. So that'll be up shortly. It's a very, 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 very good interview. I can't uh, speak highly enough of that. So people haven't seen it. Even if you're listening to this and you don't, know Danny that much or anything like that 
this is this is the type of interview you, you need to watch. It's a really, really, really good, heartwarming, interesting interview, and very honest as well. Very honest, yeah. yeah. You'll come out, you'll come out of it with something like, and that's not always the case. Even for interviews I do, or anyone does <laughs> these days, it's very hard for someone to be like as honest as she is. And I suppose it's quite easy after she just won the title there like uh, a week ago. So it's a little bit easier and it's good timing and she knows Ian and everything like that. But just I just had to mention that right off the top because that's uh, very good. And check out everything over on SevieraMed.com uh, and our Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash SevieraMedPodcast. We've uh, some great stuff there. And also our YouTube was demonetized. It has been for the last month. So we're, uh, you know, if you want to help us out and we don't know if we're going to get it back, to be honest. So we're, we're kind of half up. We've been it. wrongly prosecuted or persecuted <laughs> yeah. by, uh, Completely by uh, evil forces and, yeah. and, and youtube so uh, <laughs> uh more evil forces even than youtube i think well, myself and graham have a fucking theory that like someone someone has been trying to take us down but i don't know you know we are well, well the things we got we got uh, demonetized for we didn't do uh, yeah, <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, having to wait a month to reapply and then a month to, for them to reply to your reapplying is just <laughs> oh god it's typical typical anyway let's get into it um well, I suppose we for the last while we've been like, oh, do you know, we won't bother talking about judging now for a while. We'll talk about the fights first. Uh, just quickly on the Vera Sandegan one, I feel like we have to... And look, the, the UFC fight night Vera versus Sandegan was in San Antonio in Texas, and we know what we're going to get when we go to Texas, and it's, it's not good. And last night there were some very dodgy scorecards, and it was not good. Uh, in the main event, we'll, we'll go through the fight in a second, but... Basically, if you haven't seen the fight, Corey Sandhagen won handy. Uh, and one judge... Maybe drop one round, yeah. Maybe. Maybe two at most. Like the ter- I saw some people scoring the third for him. I actually scored the fifth for uh, for uh, Vera, but at most... The, like uh, You could you could argue 48, 47, uh, Sandhagen at the very much. Like, the rest were not at all close in any way, shape, or form. No way did Vera win the fight. And that's me who understands who's done the judging fucking panel and all and one judge scored at 48 47 for vera uh and it turns out i went up and i looked him up and he has uh, put in two scorecards and made decisions before this now that doesn't mean he hasn't been judging and i think he is uh, a relatively experienced referee but that doesn't mean he hasn't been judging on the local scene and all like that but the fact that you're in a ufc main event and you've never done let's say uh, some of the big like LFA cards or a load of Bellator cards or a load of you're in this side of the world Cage Warriors cards or whatever it might be stack them up you've done you know 30 undercards of Bellator fights 10 undercards of UFC fights and you made your way and now you're doing a UFC main event fair enough right fair enough this guy had done two UFC fights before this and nothing else and MMA decisions two UFC fights on one night and now he's in the main event and the problem with this is right it's Texas but every time there's an event in Texas before the event we're saying oh no it's going to be a problem because it's Texas after the event you have people like myself looking up MMA decisions seeing that the guy who put in a shitty scorecard has done four scorecards before and I'm like well this is correlating isn't it and some people are saying oh this is just ineptitude or he's been paid off or something like that I'll tell you now and this is you can take this as sacrosanct right usually in my opinion you can throw it out there you can take it or not if you're in that position and you have basically never done it before basically never done it before right or never even been close to doing something like that before the amount of fucking pressure that is on you 
to step into a main event, like to even just be cage side and be like, oh my God, this this is a massive pressure situation in a fight like this at the very top of a UFC championship division. That is going to make you panic unless you've done 30 Bellator cards, unless you've done, you know, uh, fucking... Amasov versus whoever the next challenger is. Even oh, no. UFC prelims. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. exactly. He's only done two UFC prelims. You are going to panic when you're put into that situation. You're not going to be able to see the fight correctly in, in the mindset that you should be. Like, it takes practice to be in that level of judging. And I said it before, you know, people are always like, and I was talking to someone during the week about it, why aren't there five judges? Why aren't there nine judges? Because there aren't that many top-level judges in the world. And to get to a top-level judge, you have to do it tens hundreds thousands of times and for a lad who's done it twice we expect him to be at the top level to get in there like i wouldn't blame this guy at all joel ogea is his name not i have absolutely zero criticism of him apart from him putting in a ludicrous card okay the criticism is on the commission for putting someone like that in this position like if he goes away and the next you know, let's say he's in California and and he does three cage warriors cards next year. Let's say he does you know five Bellator events. Let's say he does the UFC undercards the next two or three times they come there and he does LFN. Like in in this time, two or three years time, this guy could be a top level judge, a great judge, but that's just not the case right now. And for a commission to put him in there to make that decision to put him in there is just absolutely ludicrous and when you make a ludicrous decision like that you're going to get a ludicrous card like this poor unfortunate guy handed in and it's i 100 percent believe it's not this man's fault whatsoever it's not his fault whatsoever if look i talk about judging all the time right if i was put into this position right now having never judged a fight i would be shitting it like, imagine what you think, Graham. Like, um, if you were put in there, if anyone listened to this, we all know MMA. We probably all know yeah, judges. The stakes, the stakes of it. Like, you know, yeah. if if that fight is closer and the other judges or one of the other judges doesn't score it for, for Sandhagen or whoever the fighter is that's kind of clearly enough won the fight, that's huge. Like, that's a win bonus. That's a, you know, your next fight being a, towards a title fight. And in, in this case, you take a big step back if you lose. There's a lot on the line here. And, like, if I was a fighter with the history of like the Texas commission, I wouldn't want to fight in Texas. I'd be staying as far away from Texas as I could. Like, especially if I thought the fight had a good chance of going to a decision. Um, uh, yeah. Um, as you said, it's not really this guy's, it, it is a little bit his fault for, for, you know, getting at least one pretty clear round the wrong way and getting the wrong winner of the fight. But as you said, him being there in the first place is, is just a baffling decision. Um, yeah, uh, luckily the kind of the right guy won, and you know uh, he gets paid what he should, and kind of progresses his career as he, uh, as uh, as he deserves. But you know, it, it, in another situation, it could go another way. And if I was Sandhagen, if I was any fighter looking at this and looking at the history of Texas, I'd be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be fighting in Texas. Yeah, there there were another few uh, cards throughout the night as well, and it invariably kind of came down to those those Texas judges. And you know the weird thing is, well, like I, I've uh, I I don't know if it's changed or not. I probably should follow up on it, but like years ago, I did an article on the three Ds coming in now. The three Ds have adjusted, and Texas basically said. Um, we're not bringing it in, and they probably have now since that, uh, you know, but they said we like 
tell our judges not to do it kind of thing like they said they sit them all down and they tell them what way to judge like so even if it's you know so I saw someone said to me yesterday they're bringing referees why don't they bring in judges they do bring in judges but even the judges they bring in like what kind of advice are they given direction direction yeah, are they being given exactly yeah. it's 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 ridiculous it's just and when when your mind is set to judge as a judge professional yeah. judge to judge one way and you're told oh you're going to judge a slightly different way if that is the case then that that must be difficult to deal with as well as you said you're trying to concentrate you have to hand in your card your round scorecard directly after the round and an inexperienced guy it's just it's just a bad decision to put him in there and you know uh you'd say hopefully they've learned their lesson but we've seen in the past that they probably haven't yeah indeed and like uh, this just gives credence as well to people saying judging is terrible all the time <laughs> everything like when you know we talk about it all the time it's it's not as bad as people obviously make out but uh it wasn't great there's was, there's there another card as well we'll get to it when we go through it but there's just a couple of ones that like they were close there was there wasn't probably a robbery after this uh, uh, well this wasn't a robbery either because the right guy won you know Sandegan won but the, uh, just like two decisions like that that were like weren't right the wrong the wrong guy won and we'll, we'll get to him but let's uh let's finish off talking about the main event I suppose let's start talking about the main event uh, because it was just a brilliant performance from Corey Sandhagen throughout the fight you know I said earlier on maybe Cheeto could have won the third I don't believe that at all I think Corey Sandhagen swept him for the first four rounds uh, pretty pretty easily to be honest he was just landing the better shots he was getting takedowns over and over he was landing some good ground and pound it was just like a clear Corey Sandhagen fight. Cheeto almost caught him in the second in a guillotine, but Sandhagen got on top and he landed shots. As we said, Cheeto a little bit better in the third, but Sandhagen was clearly landing better. Um, he landed more hard shots. I think Cheeto landed one hard shot in the middle of the round. And like, oh, okay, maybe this is the turning point. And then immediately Sandhagen landed a hard shot that was pretty much the same. And then he landed two more hard shots after that so like he had way more numbers in terms of uh you know the accumulative shots and then he had more hard shots as well so like i don't think that round three goes him and all there was three takedown attempts uh at the start of round four uh and he didn't get him and he just kind of started moving around and picking him off and he was just kind of coasting at this stage again a few takedown attempts in the the fifth got one but i think uh, when it kind of got to the feet, Cheeto was landing a little bit more, and I think the last fifteen seconds probably took it for Cheeto. He, I, I actually do think Cheeto hurt know, him bad at the right. right yeah, at the I, I think he probably edged around. I was kind of thinking to myself as the round ended, if that kind of had happened in the first half of the round or at the very start of the round, that sequence from Barra, maybe, you know, it seems closer in my head. So it does stand out in your head that that's what Barra did. So I did actually give him that round in my head, but thinking about it now, I'm. I'm like, that round could have went either way as well. You know, uh, Sandhagen, given that round to Sandhagen, a 50-45, I have no problem with that either. Yeah, I, I can definitely see it that way. But I, I do think, like, if you're talking about the the most effective work in the round in a relatively close round, I think it was definitely Cheetah's last 20, 15 seconds. Like, I, I, I said it again, I really do think he was hurt there once. I seen him a one Gee, big uh, shot. Kind of I don't know, because I was thinking, like, if if there's, like, you know, two minutes, three minutes to go in the round, that happens, is he kind of like, oh, shit, let me get away and make sure I win this fight? Or is he kind of just more, like, composed and... I don't know how much it was just like, oh shit, I better not get 
you know, end up losing this fight in the last few seconds after dominating. Yeah. If that played into it, yeah. I think it did a little bit, but uh, I think he actually did a great job of doing exactly what you said there, kind of backing away, not, you know, letting his hands go and try to counter a guy who's just hitting him. Uh, And, you know, as I I said, tweeted last night, like, Sandhagen was on with Ariel before, and Ariel, you know, when Ariel used to care about open scoring and stuff, and uh, uh, he basically said, oh, I'd love open scoring so I could coast at the end of fights. Like, look at NFL games and basketball games and stuff where they coast, which is... Uh, incidentally, the most fucking boring thing in sports, and if you could change that, it'd be absolutely great. But that's what some people want in, in MMA. And uh, he, uh, Danny, 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 yeah, she called me out. She called me out actually. And uh, I, do you know what? I what she said there about the fighters themselves. No one, I, I can understand that. And uh, but that's going to lead to what Corey said is, about it exactly is yeah. And I've, ne- I've honestly, I've never really been on that. Um, side of it before I've never really that's never really really been one of my big negatives on it but like it kind of has to be doesn't it and you know Candice released their um um, uh, stats on it before and I remember your man sent them to me and he goes oh that doesn't happen and I remember I went through him and I was like but it actually does and I showed him this this and it and he's like oh yeah I suppose it actually kind of does so like, even the like the people who are doing open scoring are like massive well, it definitely depends on the fighter biased. and the attitude and stuff but yeah. I can definitely see a large number of fighters oh, yeah, it, it does, and coaches yeah. telling them in the corner okay well yeah. you know we're, we're two rounds up here don't do anything stupid and, and the stats even though they say that it doesn't suggest that it absolutely does but anyway this Sandy Hagen kind of did this without open scoring anyway but he did it I think mostly because the takedowns wouldn't work in, in the first uh, part of the fourth round but all in all look it was a domination by Sandhagen. and I thought his footwork was absolutely brilliant uh, he's switching his stances and she, like Cheetah just he just never showed up like I, I, I did a, a spoof of the, uh, the Skip Bayless tweet last night where I was like uh, I was wrong about being wrong about Vera <laughs> In the end, I was in in a in a shock to me. I was actually right in the end. So uh, yeah, like, do you think it was just a, there's levels to this, and that's the very kind yes. of the upper echelon guys are just too much for Vera, or do you yeah. think it was like partly a bad day at the office or a style matchup, or uh, is it a case that he's just kind of that notch below in your opinion? I, I it, it wasn't a bad day at the office. That's one thing I would say. No, was it a bad style matchup? Absolutely a terrible style matchup. But like, who's a better style matchup? If you get me, like, like uh, I think it is both levels and a bad style matchup. I think he has improved his level and sure. And now maybe he can change and adjust again because he's proven already in his career that he can do that. So give it another couple of years and maybe. But like, Sandhagen is a level below the very top. And if you're a level below him, that's a lot of levels to rise in a sport that's rising at the very top anyway. Uh, that's going to be hard. It's going to be very, very hard to overcome that and get back. But as I said, he has shown that he can rise levels before. But it's, you know, to rise from maybe like the top 25 to the top 15 is one thing. But to rise from the top 15 to the top five to the top two or three, that's very much another thing. Like there's elite and then there's the elite of the elite. And we're talking about bantamweight, which is the best division in the UFC. Now, I think everyone will probably agree with that. That's the elite of the elite of the elite. And for someone like Cheeto Vera to rise there, like I think the thing about Cheeto is right. Would you say like, does he have good to you know passable wrestling he probably does like does he have good good to passable striking he probably does i i think what lets him down is he is he is very smart at landing his big shots against 
against someone like Sandhagen who is like not defensively great and that's kind of what has carried him but is he like the fastest most athletic fighter in the world I, I, I don't think so like when he comes up against someone like Sandhagen let's say if he was to fight Suhudo, I mean, we don't know what Suhudo's going to look like but Suhudo before Aljamain that's going to be very very tough to fight any of those guys with those advantages they have over you in, in speed and athleticism and uh, game planning and an all-round ability. It's like you're you're a good fighter, you know. And uh, do you know what? I thought this about Leon Edwards too, and I turned out to be hundred percent wrong. So maybe maybe he can come and do it as well. But Leon, I think, is a little bit better in in kind of all those areas as well. It just it just feels like Cheeto is a very good fighter, but a limited fighter. And you, I don't well, think well, yeah, kind of with Leon Edwards. We kind of said it like over the years. If if he can put it all together, because like in every actual dimension of MMA he's he's very good but he, can he make it all happen together and you know so I think that's a little bit different with the with the Leon Edwards situation like I for for Vera I don't think there's much chance of him you know <laughs> following the footsteps of, of Leon I'd be shocked yeah me too yeah I would be very shocked um for Sandhagen now they're talking about Jashvili which I think would be uh a fun fight it's going to be a tough fight it's going to be a very very tough fight but uh, you know there's a couple of matchups I'd like to see for Dash Philly and not in terms of even people but in terms of styles and I think this kind of elusive footwork that uh, Sandhagen showed in this fight would probably work pretty well against Dash Philly or, or well be fun to see against Dash Philly anyway because like everyone talked about the last day for Peter Yan that it was his footwork and his ability to move that was the biggest issue here uh, against Dash Philly so if Sandhagen and has that, and also I'd love to see um, uh, the Brian Ortega fight. I know it's up away, but I'd love to see that fight. Like, is Josh Feely going to run in with takedowns all the time against someone like an Ortega when he can guillotine him? <laughs> you know, I is, is there talking that or no? No, that was just me coming up with that, that sort of style. Oh. Like, you know, someone who's like a top top jujitsu fighter. I think that'd be an interesting one. But yeah, it looks like it looks like Santagen and Josh Feely is going to happen now because obviously uh, Aljamain is. Um, uh, Aljamain is off limits for Josh Philly because they're uh, their teammates. I'm, do you know what I'm very interested to see though? Like, let's say Aljamain loses to Sahuro. Like, does Josh Philly like immediately come in and try to take that spot and get a title shot, or does he like let Aljamain work his way back? Or like, oh, this can, like this can't end well. Like Aljo is Al, like see Aljo with Connor actually. Like he's a pretty big. 135 or like to be honest so I think he could move up but it's like that's easier said than done moving up we talked about that before you know mentioning Connor he's one of the few guys that was able to actually do it almost everyone can do it almost everyone falls short and for Aljo just to think he's going to go up and have as much success like if I'm Aljo if I'm any UFC champion I'm like well I'm fucking holding on to my belt I'm dominating here I'm making money here for a long time like if I lose everyone's getting an immediate rematch I should get an immediate rematch as well and get find my way back there into a big fight as well like I'm not like just because this lad's my team and I'm like well you know congratulations you're very good as well but this is my fucking time this is my belt like uh, what do you think of that like that, I, that can't end well like can it uh, trying to predict how like things are going to work out <laughs> you know in the UFC with the matchmaking and the injuries and and all that stuff it's it's you know it's a it's a it's a waste of time these days really I, I just I just wait to see if the matches are announced and even then I wait to see who pulls out. <laughs> I, I kind of stopped. I used to. I used to kind of like imagine the the possibilities, but uh, you know, you need, you need like a fucking 
what you call like an eight ball to yeah. crystal crystal ball to know what's what's going to happen and, in the future. But and even then, the ones that make sense, like that you think are no brainers, are not even happening anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just there's it, it, very little rhyme or reason with the matchmaking these days. Uh, even at the even at the top level, like a lot of things that seem to make sense, timing wise, uh, guys coming out without injuries, uh, rankings wise that seem to make a lot of sense they don't seem to happen um all that often anymore which is which is you know strange but i don't know like the the rankings in themselves you know when they came in i kind of i i really didn't like them and i I still don't like them but they if they're going to be there they should be more they should be used more (laughs) in terms of matching people up yeah i like i think a big part of it as well is you know, we we we've talked about oversaturation over a fucking decade. But like, when you have forty four cards a year, you have to fill up. Like, let's say they want Corey Sanding in for a fight card in six weeks' time, and the Dash Philly fight makes sense. If Dash Philly is a fucking torn hamstring, and he can't fight for the next, let's say he can't fight until nine weeks' time, then they're just going to move on and give Corey Sanding in the next guy. Oh, you're got, you're going on a two week holiday, are you? Okay, no, yeah, no oh, yeah, we're, we're strict <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> you luck. don't want to fight, is it? Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, we joke, but that's exactly what's happening, and like that sort of example. That's exactly what is fucking happening and what has been happening for a while, especially at the highest level, you know, and that, that for, you know, for a good promotion doesn't make. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. But anyway, we'll, uh, we, we've talked about that ad nauseum at this stage. And, like, I, I remember, like, when the oversaturation thing happened at the start, and it's something people don't talk about as much anymore, but I think it's a massive, uh, a massive, massive, massive issue, bigger now than it's ever been, to be honest. We, I think a lot of people kind of, not necessarily predicted exactly these things, but predicted issues, and we fucking seen them. Like we really like look at this fucking card. Like it, it, there were some very good fights on this, but also like a lot of people you've never heard of. Like that, I thought it was very funny. Your lad Stephen Peterson, who uh, went up to Bisping and was like, "Oh, you, you know, we we've had a few back and forths, and you know, I, I, maybe I'm not your biggest fan for things you said about me." And you could see Bisping like, "I have never seen this man in my life." <laughs> you, could, you could just see it. Like, who the fuck is this exactly and I was shocked to see Steve I, I've hold on let me just click on him because like he fought someone and I remember the fight which fight was it let me just see um, the Julian Rosa fight I think. or no the Chase Super fight the Chase Super fight was the one that's how I remember him from that right but like he's actually fought some good guys he's fought Alex Caceres he's fought Luis uh, Pena he's fought Julian Rosa so like but still, he's like not exactly a massively memorable guy, and uh, it's it's weird because someone who eight USC fights before who's fought good opposition like that, like everyone would know them, and now he's just like some random guy, and when he retires, everyone's kind of me included, like it's kind of laughing at us, like why is this random undercard guy getting so much mic time? Like it's it's. Yeah, it's bizarre, but, like, that's kind of what's happened to the UFC. Like, the guy, he beat him, Lucas Alexander. Like, if he walked down the street, would you know who he was? If Daniel Pineda walked down the street, Albert Jurayev, you wouldn't have a clue, like. You know, these people are just fucking random. And not to say they're not good fighters or anything like that, but this this is what the UFC has led us to, because like, 44 yeah, Lucas, of Lucas Alexander actually did look good, you know, but... Yeah, and, but even yeah. if they do, they're lost in the fucking... They're lost in the middle of it all. Like, how many fighters do we see coming in? Like, say, Jai Herbert. People don't know how good Jai Herbert is because he's, like, lost in the shuffle. Same with uh, Nathaniel Wood, and even to a certain extent, like, the likes of Jack Shore or whoever else it might be. They're, they're just kind of lost in the shuffle there, and it's... 
it's very, very unfortunate. And because they're lost in the shuffle. Because, you know, I saw, so, uh, you know, a friend Rob Ryan was on to me the other day, Brian McMahon. Um, and he was like, uh, I, I said something about, uh, like, you know, this is why cards are filled with Dana White and Tinder series people and they're not signing AJ McKee. And I was like, oh, well, there's there's a ch- two champions or whatever came from the Dana White and Tinder series. Yeah, right. Let, let, how many fighters came from the Dana White and Tinder series? Let's say 100, right, for argument's sake. 90 of them are shit, right? 90 of them are just random undercard fighters who will probably go like 3-3 three and three in the UFC, lose two more fights and get caught and we'll never see them again. Like that's, we're just getting piles and piles and piles of them. Loads of them. And like, that's great for them and I'm delighted they're, you know, they're getting that 50 grand or 60 grand or whatever it might be to have those few fights and a few wins. And, but like, this is supposed to be the top of the top of the top in MMA, and it's just not that anymore. It's just really not that anymore. I know people are probably saying, oh, we've heard this over and over. We actually don't hear this enough because they've ruined the product. Like, they've ruined I always say the Ferrari and Fiat thing. They're owned by the same company. But you know the difference between a Ferrari and a Fiat, like, you know? You know the difference between the two of them. One is higher upper end cars, and one is, you know, maybe a good car. You know, maybe it lasts you Got for ten years. Wagon and Skoda. <laughs> yeah, that would like. Uh, I don't know. It's bizarre. Anyway, let's move on. Holly Holm and Yana uh, Santos. Well, I was one of the people that had home bet by decision, and I was panicking in the middle of this because I was sure she was going to beat Yana Santos. Biggest problem here is, uh, and I thought Dana White was hilarious afterwards in his idiocy as he usually is. Um, Yana Santos's biggest issue here was she was getting beaten on the ground by uh, you know a world champion striker basically uh, who okay she's not exactly fucking you know Francis Ngannou on the feet in terms of knocking you out but she will beat you on the feet if you fight her on the feet and uh, Dana White was like saying oh, why didn't why did Santos keep engaging with her I'm like well she kept engaging with her because she was definitely going to lose on the feet like if you play a distance game with Holly Holm you're absolutely fucked if you're Yana Santos because she's 100% going to beat you there maybe if you're getting close and you put her against the cage and you try to take her out maybe you'll end up on top maybe you'll end up getting a submission or beating her maybe you grab her back if she makes a mistake yeah. exactly you're never going to beat her on the feet just never so I think Yana Santos spent three rounds losing and I think she did the right thing. <laughs> to be honest, I, Anna, she should have gotten finished probably a couple of times. Uh, or you know, but, but she was very tough and she refused to give up. There was never one point in that fight where Yana Santos, I don't think, thought she was going to win, which is, uh, you know, fair play to her, even though it's absolute delusion. But um, Holly Holm just dominated. She was just a better all-around fighter. I, honestly, I couldn't believe how close this betting was. Uh, and I picked Holly Holm, obviously, coming in in her very decision. Uh, almost even money was fucking... I, I was saying before, and it was kind of free money, but like when the fight happened, she almost finished her. But she looked good, Holly, didn't she? For 41 years of age, you know, even it's a great matchup for her, an easy matchup, to be honest. But still, she had to go out and do it, and she did it well, Graham, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Like, you know, and she she's obviously known for her striking and, you know, the the knockout around the Rousey and all, but she has been in MMA for a long time and she does know the basics and was able to, of, of grappling, and she, she was able to, to use that kind of unexpectedly, which probably... You know, <laughs> if you had said to uh, if you had surveyed people before, I don't think many people would have, would have seen the fight going that way. But uh, you know, as you said, it's a good bounce back fight. You know, when you and you've lost a close decision uh, in your last one, and you're you're ten months later coming in, you just want to get the win. You want to make sure she didn't take any damage. She kind of, you know, 
uh, didn't fight the most exciting fight, but she fought to what seemed to be her game plan uh, pretty well, and you know, kind of took the took the easy easy win in my opinion, and was never really in trouble. So it, yeah, for her, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a win. It's a it's a good performance in terms of you know not taking any damage and dominating the fight. So yeah, uh, to, it, she says she wants to go for the title one more time. So that was uh, the first vital step towards doing that, and. You know, uh, with the divisions the, the way they are, and the star power and the name power of, of Holly Holm, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she if she wins one one or two more and is is put into a title shot if she can win. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either at all. I think that probably will end up happening. So we'll uh, we'll wait with bated breath and, and see if uh, if that will happen. Do you know what I think might be an interesting matchup? Even though she's kind of been moving around and maybe maybe not winning all that much. Um, what about her versus Misha Tate too? Like Misha beat her obviously the last time. Um, you know, similar enough in ages and where they are in their careers. I think that might be a, that might be a, an interesting one if they could put it together. Yeah, and like, she didn't she, look great. Uh, yeah, she's coming so off she of two losses, yeah. like, but yeah, I, maybe not. But I, I think maybe in future, let's say if Holly was to lose her next one, maybe then. But yeah, anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Nate the train Landwehr looked good Then he got the rear naked choke Against uh, Austin Lingo He's a guy you know, They were building up Like he's some fucking Killer And he like Lost what Two of his last four fights Or whatever Got beaten by Julian Rosa Finished He's a Actually you can't believe a word uh, yeah, <laughs> he's, <laughs> the he's a good fighter Like but I sure, Everybody's a pound for pound best When they yeah. find the main event Of a pay-per-view I, uh, I don't think he'll be Troubling the UFC rankers Anytime soon If we want to put it that way Although Like he can hit hard And he's a good well-rounded Fighter, so maybe he can, but uh, yeah, he's also a weirdo. I like the most American person on the uh, uh, on the roster, which is a lot to say when Michael Chandler is there. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> then we had uh, Macy Barber against Andrea Lee, which was uh, our, uh, this, uh, the commentary. God Almighty, I never thought I I'd thought the think the commentary was as bad with DC not on commentary as it was, but the commentary was horrendous, and especially in this Macy Barber Andrea Lee fight now. Full disclosure here, I picked Andrea Lee to win. She was the underdog. I gave her as one of my bets of the week, and I still think Macy Barber won. So that that's how far we're going here. Like, the first round, Macy Barber was beating her up on the feet, right, before the takedown. She was beating her up on the feet after the takedown. And when she was taken down, she caught Andrea Lee's arm behind her back in some weird fashion and was just beating her, was just beating her, and she landed some big elbows on the ground. There's like no doubt whatsoever that Macy Barber won that round. It was a it was a clear easy round to score. All three judges scored for her, and then you had Brendan Brendan Fitzgerald Graham, the lad who came up with that uh, teacher's <laughs> idea about the uh, <laughs> effective striking grappling uh, and uh, all that shit. Remember that the lad who came up with that T-shirt, him out, you know, that that original idea about the the judging criteria. Wouldn't it funny? You think a guy who came up with that original idea would actually know a bit about the criteria and not give like the most ridiculous commentary I've seen in a long time here to say and top control, top control, top control, top control, two minutes of top control. She bursted her face <laughs> open with fucking elbows. Are you kidding me? Top control. Fuck off, like. Are we still at this point? Like, why is John Gooden sitting at home? Why is John Gooden sitting at home? And this guy is, is uh, you know, this guy's commenting. Like, I've thought this for a while. And honestly, I didn't want to say it because I thought he's, like, nice. But then he goes and he steals our T-shirt idea. So, like, why not? You know? 
Johnny Goodman <laughs> is sitting at home, and this guy who's like, do you think it's, do you think it's like the the aesthetic or the sound of the the British voice that they don't? Then Michael Bisping. American kind of. Then Michael Bisping in the commentary mark. alongside him. Like, I know, what? but Michael Bisping's like a you know a legend uh, that anybody who's been following MMA has 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 known about. You know, uh, I don't know. I'd rather someone who why, doesn't why, speak nonsense. Yeah, I agree yeah. that he should be used a lot more. Yeah, I I, I just think like MMA fans can see a guy who started watching MMA three years ago. Like, they, could, they can just see it. We all know it. We all know what it's like. And, like, John Gooden is not one of those guys. John Anik is not one of those guys. You know, obviously... Maybe, maybe Fitzgerald isn't just watching it for a few... Maybe he's just, a, like, a Goldberg who just can't, like, you yeah. know... <laughs> and I don't, like, I don't think he's necessarily that bad. Like, he's, I don't think he's a bad play-by-play guy. I wouldn't mind him there at all. He just needs to stop giving his opinion and stop talking about the fights. Call the play-by-play and just let... Every, and now Bisping and Felder weren't much better to be honest in this time but like in general it's just, I'm so sick of him like I just when you have fucking John Gooden at home as well it just makes it so much worse if you'd no one else like fair enough John Nanick needs a bit of a break if you'd no one else absolutely throw him in there he's not that he's not that bad like I just think he needs to stop with his shit and this top control stuff just ridiculous but anyway back to the fight Macy Barber like clearly won the first round. She won the second round. The second round was definitely a bit closer. Um, close third round as well. I saw a lot of people crying about thir- uh, there was a thirty twenty seven uh, thrown in there. I did think Lee won the third round, but it was again relatively close. And Macy Barber won a split decision. Um, and I thought she was clearly the better fight. Do, do, do you disagree or agree, Graham? Or am I gone mad? I think you can make an argument for for Lee winning the fight, but I do think Barber won the fight. Um, yeah, I, I don't really see the the thirty twenty seven. I did think Lee won the third round, but it was close enough that like you know you can make a case for it, and and in my opinion, the, the right person won. So I wouldn't be too upset about that. There were there were close rounds, and uh, especially you know uh, as I said, uh, you know it, it just comes down to what what you like more, I suppose, uh, in terms of what you think's uh, doing the more damage or the more impact, and uh, maybe from KHI it looks a little bit different on the broadcast or from. Dan Mergley on his side, it looks a bit different the third round and from Chris Lee's side or whatever. But yeah, uh, I think even if you know if the scorecards had gone had gone for for Barber, uh, you know uh, you can definitely you can definitely see that and you can also see it for Lee. So I don't think there's any controversy here. Uh, even though it's Texas, <laughs> and there usually is controversy. Yeah, the, the second and third rounds were. Uh were were close enough that I can I can see a car, but the first round like the 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 madness over that was was my real gripe here. But yeah, I I think I, the right person won on the fight after that. Jorah versus Injakwani. I I don't think the right person won. Now not a robbery by any means. Definitely close, and it was a split decision as well. Um, you know, but people are kind of saying as well. Oh, there's so many split decisions. Like a lot of these these two split decisions as well. Like they're very conscionable. Like absolutely, but um. When you see, and, and as I said, this one was close. Injakwani just, he just landed the better shots in two or three. Like, Jorev had the forward pressure and all that. But we, we're not scoring forward pressure. We're not scoring top control. We're scoring what happens. And now, Injakwani, he uh, could he have done Octagon a little bit control, more. Sean. Octagon, Octagon control, Sean. Octagon control, top pressure. Yeah, these these vital uh, scoring Vital link. Injakwani could have done more, I think. But I think he did enough. But it, look, it was a close fight. That was one of these ones where I think, like, yeah. It just... The wrong guy won, I think. Just just barely the wrong guy won, but I think it did. Like, I think you have 
you know the the three best judges were, and there were there were some good judges on this one I think as well and uh, you know I think I think was it Saldamato that scored it who and a great respect for Sal I think he's a, a great judge but it was and let me just check let me just make sure here uh, yeah it was uh, it was Sal Diamato Chris Lee scored it for Injakwani and Dan Murgliata you know who's a referee scored it for. Um, for Jurev, obviously, to make the split decision, I like. I think if it was the other way, like if Dan wasn't in there, and let's say you'd have been Carnage in there, you'd have David Letheby in there, you'd have Daryl Ransom in there, you know, you had an Eric Cologne in there. I, I think, I think we get Injikawani winning this fight, and that's very unfortunate for him, you know. So, um, like I said earlier, if, if you're a fighter who, who's you know, good possibility of going to a decision, maybe avoid Texas. Indeed. Seriously, um, like I know it sounds kind of, yeah, you know, <laughs> a bit ridiculous to avoid certain certain commissions or whatever, but, you know, there's a history there that you can go back and look and you can even look at the Justice card alone and even if the right guy won, there is some some wacky scorecards every time we every time we yep. every time the UFC goes to Texas 100% uh, Daniel Pineda didn't got a good guillotine over Tucker Lutz uh, we mentioned Lucas Alexander earlier and you said he looked good Graham I, th- I thought he did too against Stephen Peterson another split decision Trevin Giles Preston Parsons you know a lot of people Parsons just Parsons ran out of gas like exactly um, like halfway through the second the second round <laughs> he just yeah. he, he got he got a powered takedown and then once Trevin Giles got up he was just he could visibly just a shell of his former self yeah, it was a very good fight though, and I think it kind of could have gone either way. Um, yeah, I, I don't have too much of a gripe with that one to be honest. I, maybe Parsons just about won it in my opinion, but nah, not toss of a kind really, toss of a kind. A brilliant fight in between uh, Vergara and Daniel De Silva, absolute fucking war. Uh, great comeback by Vergara after getting ten eighted in the first round. Brilliant stuff for him. And then uh, yeah, the first uh, fight in we had a lad beating another lad, and congratulations to both of those lads. Um. Alex Perez and Manel Cape fight was called off Graham in the middle of a, a Alex Perez released a statement said he had a seizure backstage afterwards he kind of collapsed and had to be like taken away and he's like all good now he'll have to do a few uh, scans and stuff and he was like uh, it's not good to do a weight cut or anything we'll have to find out what, it, what it's about afterwards I'm like it probably does have something to do with weight cutting if we're being honest like, if, like, if, you know? if like I have epilepsy and if, if I you know the day before cut all the water out of my body I'd probably yes you know not I'd probably be exposing myself more to a seizure and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it probably didn't help anyway. Maybe it's not the, the root cause, but I think yeah, it, uh, something like that. If you, it, it is extremely un- unlikely to to be good for you, your your brain and you know water and all that stuff in your brain. We've heard people. I'm like I'm no I'm no brain doctor, but um, yeah, it's, to me as a layman, it sounds like it would definitely affect something like that. Indeed. Um... Right, let's, uh, the PFL Europe had a card over the weekend as well, we're not going to get massively into that because it was basically the night for Dakota Decheva and Simeon Powell uh, and they bought one and they bought one relatively easy, both got finishes uh, and I think they are going to uh, probably just run through those two divisions, so, uh, you know, I think... I think all the rest of the divisions are probably better than those two, if we're being honest. So I think uh, it's another, it's a few months now until the next PFL Europe card. 
so I'm interested to see that. But uh, next week, there's no UFC next week, but there is PFL. The regular season is starting off, and there's some very interesting fights uh, in this. Brennan Lachnan is in the main event against Marlon Moraes. Uh, Will Flory is making his PFL debut, and he's in the tournament. He's second on Christoph Jotko. I'm actually looking um, forward to seeing. I don't know if you've seen any odds for the Will Flory Jotko fight. I haven't yet, to see no. how they kind of call it. And- yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm waiting for them I have a preview to record for it and I need the betting odds so like, I mean like if anyone sees them <laughs> let me know but that's in a big fight for Will Flory isn't it against a guy like Jocko who's very 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 experienced definitely the toughest fight of Will Flory's career isn't it absolutely definitely and it's, it's kind of what he's been calling for an opportunity like this you know in the the big PFL show uh, you know this is what he's been looking for He's he's struggled to get opponents over the years you know, maybe maybe it's kind of worked out for him because I think the timing has come has come at a, at a great time for Will. He seems to have you know improved uh, rapidly over the last few couple to few years, even more than before. And it it all seems to have kind of come together for him, and he seems to 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 be more confident in himself. And just watching his his MMA game, it's just come on leaps and bounds. So I think you know this has come at the perfect time for Will, and he, he kind of has a point to prove and. You know, if he can go out there and beat Jocko, that's that's kind of point proven, and he'd be, you know, well on his way to that that tournament prize, and you know that would be a life changing for him. So, I think you know this has come at a really good time for him. Jocko is obviously a really difficult opponent. Opponent changed as well. You know, his original opponent got injured, but you know, I I don't know I don't know what the odds are going to be like here, but you know I don't know if this is being biased, but I I fancy Will to make this make this a really difficult fight and to you know maybe win a decision here to be honest yeah it's an interesting one because like you you look at Willie's on a four or five win streak at the moment uh, his last one Anthony Salamone actually won on PFL Europe with a flying knee the other day and Will kind of you know destroyed him destroyed Tarek Suleiman his hands look good uh, in that as well it'd be Kevin Combine who's a striker like this is you know this is definitely definitely a step up uh, from all of those but he's been looking good beating all of those and like Jocko is you know we all know I suppose what Jocko is at this stage he's, he's amazing he's still only 33 years of age is Jocko you feel like he's been around for uh, absolutely ages but like his last fight was in the UFC he lost to Brendan Allen but he was on a two fight win streak before that beating, beating Jared Marshart and uh, and Misha Sorkinov like he's some very very good yeah, 10 years in, in, the, in the UFC fighting you know yeah. good guys definitely stands to you but you know it's a, once you get caught from the UFC we've seen this happen before where guys you know they're maybe not the not the same level of motivation, but you know when you're in a tournament like this with a, such a such a big prize, maybe that overrides that. Yeah, and like you look at his record as well, and like the vast majority of his fights have gone to a decision. So he kind of he does like to grind lads out of there. He, he like he you know strike them, but he like grapple them and I'll wrestle them as well. And that's a similar start to fighter that to Will Flory. And I'm just interested, like Will is a like. A, a very, 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 very um, good competitor, if you want to put it that way. Like, Will loves a competition. And I think that's probably the best part of his game. I mean, you're putting in a guy who's, like, directly in competition to you in the same sort of way. You know, everyone who fights in direct competition. But you know what I mean? Like, a, a similar sort of matchup. That's the type of thing I think that Will Flory will rise to. And I'm interested as well to see the bet. And as I, I, look, I think it's a toss of a coin. It's a 50-50 fight, to be honest. But if Will Flory wins this fight... It changes his career, I think. I think this is the fight that like moves Will Flory to the next level. If he wins this fight, I think he's probably, you know, 
if he's not the favourite to win it, he's right up there because there are some very, very good guys in it. You know, um, Rob Wilkinson won it last year, Chago Santos as well is, is going to be a very, very, very tough fight. But, you know, like, you beat Jacko in that sort of manner. Like, could you be Wilkinson in a similar sort of manner if you like? You don't get caught by Wilkinson striking. Like, you, you could. Like, maybe you could avoid Santos, but maybe you could go in there and fight Santos. There's some massive fights coming up for Will Flory, and it's, uh, it, this, look, this one is probably out, out of those four I talked about there, and I know there's, there's more as well, but out of those four, it's probably, uh, you probably got the one who's the biggest name, who is the fight that's most winnable for you. So it's a massive fight for uh, for Will Flory in that one. But, you know, the rest of the card is said is pretty good as well. I mentioned Lachlan and Marais and, and the, the, the Wilkinson Santos fight, but uh, my guy Raiji Kudo, who I absolutely love, is a dinger of a fighter. He's fighting uh, Movlid Kabuleyev, who's undefeated 19 on one that should be very, very fun because, like, Kudo puts it up against everyone. He almost beat Brendan Lachnan last year, you know. So uh, that's interesting. Chris Wade and Bubba Jenkins fighting again for, like, the 58th time. Uh, Martin Hamill is back fighting uh, Mohamed Fakhardine. Uh, Joshua Silvera, the coach of Conan Silvera, is fighting Sam Kay, who uh, got a chance there last year as well. And there's a lot more under that as well. Dylan Monte is back. Uh, Imbuka Sanganai is over in the PFL now at the moment as well. He's fighting uh, Corey uh, Hendricks. So that's... Uh, a fun card there, fun card there, and it should be, uh, it should be pretty good. Um, and then we've Bellator next week as well. The big story from this, I suppose, from the Irish point of view, is uh, Liam McCourt versus Kat Zingano. And do you know what? I I've done my preview for this for Bellator for uh, uh, sure Dog, and it'll be out during the week. But the one thing I I I kind of I looked at when you go back and you watch their recent fights is that. Leah's probably been doing a lot more striking than she normally would be. And Katzengano's been doing a lot more wrestling. And I just wonder, like, because we know Leah, and I suppose she has to do a lot more striking because people don't want to go to the ground with her because she's very good judo and very good jiu-jitsu and she's very strong as well there. And maybe people think, you know, they can, they can beat her on the feet or whatever. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Kat does because in all of Kat's recent fights, it's been wrestling, 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 wrestling. And I, uh, you know, we know Kat is very good at jujitsu, but like, and, and I saw, it's funny. I saw Chris Cyborg the other day. She was on with James Lynch and she was kind of saying, Oh, if Liam McCorp can keep this on the feed, I think she's going to have an advantage and Kat Singano will probably want to be able to take it to the ground. Now, I think that is completely incorrect to be honest for in a multitude of ways. But I wonder like if, You've only watched the last few Liam McCord fights. If you only watched the last few cat fights, you're probably thinking, oh, maybe Cat will take it to the ground. And if she does, I think that could be a big mistake. Because I'd like, on the feet, Cat is has good head kicks. She's good from range. She's good at, like, not getting hit and just, like, staying elusive. I don't think, like, she's not the best technical striker in the world or anything like that. But she's, she's good at not being drawn into a striker matchup that she doesn't want. Like, Leah has definitely improved her striking, but if she gets into a matchup with someone who's very good at striking, I think it could be a, a struggle. Now, Kat is not that either, but, like, is she... Is Leah going to have the ability to kind of close the distance on Kat when she's, like, ultra-defensive and just throwing a few head kicks from the outside? That's going to be tough, I think. But when the fight hits the ground, I think it's, it's a brilliant fight, honestly, because Leah, she just turns she looks so athletic she looks so strong on the ground where on the feet it looks like a little bit unnatural but improving as i said and i think for the same for cat i think she looks a little bit unnatural on the feet as well but when it gets to the ground she looks very very good like 
I just wonder who's going to initiate the grappling. And if Kat does it, like she's been doing in recent fights, I wonder what it's going to be like. Because she goes for a takedown against Leah. Leah turns that hip, lands over. She could end up in mount or anything. And that's a game changer. Name, because people are probably thinking about this and thinking, okay, maybe it's, it's a, it is. It's a big step up for Leah McCourt. But like, Katzingano has in the past, you know, given away fights in by bad decision making and if she makes that decision I think to grapple with Leah now she could win and I'm not saying she's oh she's going to get the fight to the ground she's going to get destroyed but I think she has Leah has a better chance of winning the fight and finishing the fight on the ground than maybe she does on the feet and if Kat engages that I think it could be a mistake what, what are your thoughts on Graham? it's a massive fight for Leah isn't it yeah, it's, it's a huge fight for Leah. Uh, very important uh, fight for both girls, really. Uh, obviously, katzengano has been around a long time, has a lot of experience. Um, you know, as you said, though, she she is maybe, or you hinted that she's a little bit inconsistent. Sometimes she can kind of get in her own way a little bit. And if she goes in there and, does, you know, tries to be too wrestle heavy and doesn't really set up her her uh, takedown attempts, as you said, she could end up in, in on the wrong side of the, the takedown or the, the throw and on the bottom in a bad position. And that could be, you know, the the most likely finishing route to victory for Leah. Uh, you know, Kat's experience; she she knows you can't just you can't just dive in. Um, you know, Leah will have to kind of make her desperate on the feet, and can she do that? She's she's obviously been working on a strike, and she's been trying to show that. You know, getting comfortable with the strike. Sometimes things can click, and you can make uh, great strides, and you know that'll that'll yet to be seen. But I think I think this fight is going to go everywhere. Uh, I think it's probably going to be. It's probably going to go to a decision, you know, uh, probably a close decision, and it'll come down to, you know, who. It probably will come down to who can land the better shots on on the feet, and you know, I think Leah will will have to show improvement in in in, in her striking, which is which she has been doing and trying to trying to show. But yeah, this one I think is very close and could go either way, and it's probably going to be a, a, a close decision. I think someone's getting finished. To be honest, I think really, someone. Yeah, yeah I, I think someone's getting submitted here. I I do think the fight will hit the ground. I I do think Cat's gonna wrestle, and I, I like. I think it honestly, this one could come down to who gets on top first. Like, I can see Leah getting on top of Cat and mounting her and landing some big shots and maybe either getting the finish or getting the armbar. I can see Cat maybe getting on top of Leah, landing some big shots and getting the armbar to rear naked. Just like, I, I feel like that's the sort of fight we're going to get here. We might have a bit of Who ends up on top first is going to yeah. have a massive advantage. I, I do think that, like, because I think, like, on the feet, I don't think, I, I, if it's 50 minutes on the feet, I agree with you. I think it'll probably go to a decision and it could be a close decision. I would probably just about favor Cat maybe in that way but like even like let's say you do do favor cat in the ground like to get the takedown and get on top like all it takes is kind of one mistake for to not and you have you have to remember as well here and i think this could be a big part especially if it turns into like a grappling match in the ground leah is way bigger than cat like leah is a genuine 145 pounder whereas cat's not you know she fought her whole career at 135 she's only going up to 145 because she's in bellator now like i i think if cat was in the ufc maybe she could have gone down to 125 like that when you're playing like a strength game on the ground is a massive thing i think i think it really is and uh, i wonder how much of a part that plays in it. and cat is as i said a little bit older now as well i, I think it's a yeah, she's massive kind of from, opportunity she's kind of from the last generation where they're not coming in kind of learning all styles at the same time they're coming in with a base and maybe 
you know, maybe the game has passed her by a little bit and, you know, how motivated is she compared to Leah? Maybe that'll, that'll play a factor in this, you know. Um, this is a huge fight for Leah. If she can win here, she puts herself straight into the, you know, the title talk. And if she loses, she has to build back. So, uh it's it's definitely the same case with Katsangana, but she's been you know been there done that is the motivation the same she's been through a lot in her life and her career and all that stuff so uh sometimes little things like that like how much work you put into the gym how motivated for this you are and you know sometimes that can turn to nerves other times that can turn to you know focus and you know i i think i, I I'm, I'm struggling who to pick here i think it's gonna be really close really really close but uh, I'd probably just leaned to Leah, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a really interesting fight. Uh, as you said, it could go a number of ways. There's a there's a number of method victory here. I wouldn't be surprised with with uh, with a lot of things happening. And you know, it's it's definitely um it's definitely a big fight and one I'll definitely be tuning in for. It, I think the motivation part is an interesting one because like you would think this is a number one contender fight, more than likely. Like, the winner of this will be fighting Cyborg. Like, Cyborg has kind of said that if Cyborg com- comes back. If not, they'll be fighting for a title anyway, because I think I, I don't think this can go on any longer. But also, like, Zingana was supposed to be fighting Cyborg now, you know? It was supposed to be her time right now. Um, and she's had to fight Leah to maybe earn that spot, which can go one of two ways, either, as I said, you would be massively motivated because this is the fight to get you there. Or you're thinking, well, I was already there. Why the fuck am I having this fight? You know, and it's not, not that's nothing got to do with Leah. It could be Leah, Sinead, Janae Harry, could be anyone, you know? And we've seen that before and people have uh, fallen at that final hurdle because they think they should be at, uh, you know, the, the finishing post. And uh, I just I just wonder if that's an issue here. And if Kat is 40 as well. I, I, I just, like, people probably thinking what your biased Irish lads here, you're gone stone mad picking against Katzingana on this fight. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe we are, but, uh, I, like, I think the bet here is probably Katzingana straight up, Liam McCord by submission. I, or maybe both of them by submission. That's my, yeah, that's my bet. Back both of them by submission. Probably get, like, five to one submission on uh, both of them. And I think one of them bets will well, win. You which know? way do you, do you see Katzengano being the the bookie's favorite just because of? Oh yeah, I think she, I think she'd be yeah. a, I think she'd be a big favorite. Oh, it's not up yet, is it? Um, MMA, what's it called? Be- best fight has best. Uh, they usually have Bellator up a little bit before, but maybe not. Uh, UFC, no, they don't have the Bellator up yet. Yeah, no. Yeah, I do. I think yeah, I think Cat will be uh I think Cat will be a pretty sizable favorite based on what she's done, you know, in her career and you know, Leah hasn't reached that point yet, but I think I haven't gone back like I I was thinking coming into watching the tape on it. I was thinking like, yeah, I'm probably picking Cat here to be honest. But then I went to watch it and like I I, I and see it's mostly the way Cat has been fighting. It's more because she, the, the grapple-heavy nature of her recent fights has been astonishing to me recently. And I just wonder how much of that is a function of her injuries that she's had in the past. Because remember, she had, and you're sitting there with a very bad fucking knee now, but remember her knee injury? She was out for like two years with an absolutely fucked knee. Like, you're 40 years of age now. That can't be feeling good. You know, and I wonder she like fighting differently because of that. No, not that she doesn't look good or loose in the feet or anything, but um, I I think if she wrestles, she's pl- she might be playing into her own game, right? But she's also playing into the game of Leah McCord, and I think it's a dangerous way to fight against Leah. So interesting, and look, it's a massive fight for Leah McCord. We talked about you know Katzingana being number one contender 
Liam McCourt, uh, and you know, Leah Sinead, I think it's toss of a coin between the two of them who's the number one contender because obviously Sinead beat Leah, but then this win over Katzingano is bigger than anything anyone has done. So it's ma- it's massive. It's a massive fight. And, uh, you know, what a time for women's MMA in Ireland as well. Let's say, like, Leah just to be in this position, but if she wins it, Danny McCormick won the title, Sinead just won a massive fight, uh, Shauna Bannon just won her fight as well and is undefeated. God almighty, I, I, I think uh, I think we're going to get a lot of backlash no matter who wins our Women's Fighter of the Year for 2023 <laughs> this year. Well, you know, so just many. to touch on something you said there, like, you know, that's kind of why I don't want, part of the reason I don't want um, Shauna and Danny to fight because it knocks one back. Like, kind of like if you go, you mentioned the Ian's interview with Danny, if people go and watch that, she, she goes into it. And I think she's right to look at it like emotionless and to look at it logically and to think, you know, why can't both of us? Like, one of us is going to have to lose, and for for the Irish scene and for for us, what, that doesn't really make sense to to do. Like, you know, we're both trying to get to the UFC or whatever our goals are, and uh, there's no need to really do this fight. So, yeah, I think I'm. You know, uh, over the years I've been on to keep the Irish away from the Irish, and I'm, I'm still on that train. Uh, you know, especially when they're up and comers with you know. Uh, uh, early uh, early career records and uh, you know if you've been there done that kind of been around the promotions and but what about Leah versus Sinead then like Leah versus Sinead was one of the best fights ever I fucking loved that yeah uh, it was a great fight but uh, I don't know one of them has to lose and it's a setback yeah, and, it is a setback yeah. Leah's fighting here yeah. to fight for a title yeah it's true but if, if she had gone out and won that night and Sinead had fought somebody else and won that night she probably would have been in this position quicker, but maybe it worked out. Maybe it gave her time to improve. You know, I think Liam McCourt's improving at a you know a more rapid level than Katzengano, if Katzengano's even improving at all. So you know, maybe it worked out for the best. But just in general, I prefer to to keep the the young pros uh, away from each other. Uh, yeah, I think it's a case by case basis. I think with the Shauna and Danny one. It'd be better to keep him apart because I think Danny deserves to be in the UFC right now. Like, if Danny is still in Invicta, then I think they should probably fight. But, you know, we'll, we'll see on that one. But anyway, massive fight for Leah. Looking forward to it. Um, the rest of the Bellator card. Do you know what? It's not the biggest uh, card in terms of names, but there are some some good fights. The main event is, is all right. Daniel James is an absolute beast. Uh, he's fighting Marcelo Golm, who's actually... Uh, uh, weirdly have like a very good athlete and moves around well and is a good striker but James is just like wait he's a bit of a Derek Lewis he'll just wait he'll fall on top of you and just destroy you because he's so powerful and so strong uh, and I think he probably will end up doing that rest in peace that Derek Lewis yeah what what's that about rest in peace Derek Lewis no, the the old Eric Lewis that used to, oh, to yeah. do that. Yeah, now he tries to be a fighter. He tries to be good now. What the fuck? Uh, John Salter's fighting Aaron Jeffrey coming off of his win over Austin Vanderfort. Salter a little bit older now, but a good wrestler. Tough enough matchup for Jeffrey, but I think if he comes through it, he's right there, thereabouts at 185. Uh, Jaleel Willis is fighting Rustam Kabilov, who's coming back after, I think, f- like four years out. Uh, we all remember him for his suplexes and all of that. Willis, a good striker. That's a fun matchup. Sullivan Colley and Luke Trainer. That's a massive fight. One of the biggest prospects coming out of the UK against one of the biggest prospects coming out of uh, of the US. Very interesting. Rat Garbage is on this card. Graham Mandel Nalo. He's fighting Adam Piccolotti after losing to Ban Louis in his last fight. Uh, 
that's not a bad fight with Joey Davis, 8 0. Is on the card. Uh, Archie Colgan, 6 0. Lucas Pena. How, how many fights are on this card? About 25 fighters. Yeah, a, lot of fights. a big step up for Lance Gibson. I like this fight against Vladimir Tokov, Anatoly Tokov's brother out of the Fedor team. He's a good, well rounded fighter. So that's a big step up, I think, for him. I love the fight as well between uh, Mike Hamill and Nick Brown. They're my Henderson or Maria Henderson, sorry, Vincent Henderson's wife is on this is also do you know there there's a lot of fights on it, a thousand fights, but uh seventeen fights I believe, but some interesting ones. But um yeah, that's about uh that's about it now. Anything else anything else to talk about, Graham? Anything else happened in the world of uh of MMA? What do you think uh actually I got a bit of stick for it because of like these fucking idiots online, but uh Kobe <laughs> Kobe Covington uh threatened to kill John Anik. What did you think of that? Did you, was that pretty bad? Was I, was I, um, was if you're not me. clearly doing a stick for like so long, uh, it would be more, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. I think John Anik knows that it's just a stick. Uh, the whole Kobe Covington thing, I think it's pretty well. It, like if you follow Kobe throughout his career, you know that this this has kind of been, persona has been turned on a few years ago to keep himself kind of, in the UFC and keep him uh, to give himself more opportunities. And he's kind of saying stupid shit is kind of his, his go-to. So, you know, if, if somebody else was saying it, maybe I'd be more, I'd be more kind of, I'd care more. Yeah. I just think. It's still though a bit, it's a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I think like Colby can keep his stick. He can do all his stick. But if you say like, if you say the words, John, I better be careful. I'm going to leave his kids without a father. Like those are uh, like, serious words and like yeah. people have said yeah, he, oh. in, in Kobe's head I think it's like a pro wrestling promo and yeah you know, but he, he, like, he, yeah. that's Colby's head he can uh, keep that yeah. he, he can think whatever he wants but we're allowed to think fucking stuff too it, look if he says that about Usman if he says that about Edwards Bilal fair enough if fucking you know Sandhagen says it about Vera if Connor says it about Chandler Chandler says it about Connor all's fair in love and war you know the these things happen. Fighters are going to say it, and we can't get too mad about that, right? He says it about a commentator who is not going to fight, who he's just he's just being a cunt. Like, uh, and and you know, John Anik probably understands it, right? But what if like John Anik's kids are at school and their their friends like see this clip of this lad saying that they're going to kill their father? Like, what what, what do you think that's like for them? Like, that's yeah, it's true. That's, that's true. fucking. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Like you. And like the UFC, right? The uh, and I emailed the UFC and asked them for a comment on this and got no reply. The UFC, imagine any other organization in the world where a coworker, and and fair enough, it's a fighter versus fighter, as I said, but a, a coworker threatens to kill another coworker. Is there and and like is, let's say it's not like WWE, not scripted. Any other, like imagine if I came out here and I threatened to fucking kill Ian on either of them. You'd be like, oh, Sean, you can't do that. You're fucking, you're gone, or whatever, you know? That, that it's, it's just, it cannot be done. And for the UFC not to come out and say something, for the UFC not to come out and reprimand him, is absolutely disgraceful. And I think all them journalists Did you well, expect the UFC to come out and... Uh, no, but the, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't of course, I didn't. No, of course, I didn't. But like, why didn't none of the journalists that were there in the last day ask Dana White about it? Why your play-by-play guy, your most famous commentator, gets a death threat from a fighter, and you don't say anything about it? And like, people say, "Oh, he's not actually going to kill him." It doesn't matter. He fucking said it. It's it's out now. It's been done. I I just think that threat that threat is probably a little bit like it wasn't. It was a hundred percent. I know what you mean, but it it makes it sound more like I know it, it's technically what it is, but. Uh, yeah, I think 
I hope John Anik knows that like, and hopefully behind the scenes, he's going to go, he's going to reach out and said, Oh, you know, so it kind of said like, it's part of the stick or whatever, but yeah, he's definitely crossed the line a few times, but this is probably, you know, as uh, this is probably in my opinion, worse than what he's done before. But I also just uh, like if, if, if he wasn't such a clown character, it would obviously probably uh, get more headlines and be more kind of a subject that people would want to bring up and talk to Dana White, and they probably should have anyway. But with Kobe, you know, uh, Dana's probably just going to be like, you know, Kobe's going to Kobe, and that's kind of what he's been doing with his stick for the last for the last while. And Dana's not going to not going to you know Dana wants to make money off Kobe. He doesn't want him on the sidelines. He he doesn't care about this. And you know maybe he should, but. Um, I'd hope that, you know, as I said, something kind of has been said to Kobe to John behind the scenes to kind of say, yeah, sorry about that. Or, or yeah. like maybe, I, I, I honestly, I could not give a shit about Colby's whole shtick and everything. Like, I've ignored I saw people were talking about, like, oh, you know, Colby just wants everyone to talk about. It. Like, I never talk about Colby apart from him as a fighter. And I think he's a very good fighter. And I've said that many that, that's times. That's what he here. does. That's what he does want. But you can also you can overstep the you. Yeah, the, exactly. You and that's exactly what happened here. Like he massively overstepped. But like, like this Colby shtick. It's it's literally, and it's funny because the, the, his fans are like, "Oh, we're smarter than you." His fans are the stupidest idiots on planet Earth because all they do is listen and bask in the words of a guy who when he says anything they say he doesn't mean it every single word he says they love it they take it as sacrosanct but if someone else comes in and says what the fuck Colby shouldn't have put the tetra Colby's joking it's a stick but like you're living and dying by this shtick what does that make you that makes you a fucking mark is that was that that makes you his fans are actually like the most embarrassing people on planet Earth. They really are like they're and like not his fans as a fighter. You can be a fan of Col- I'm a fan of Colby as a fighter. I think he's a very very good fighter, but it's ridiculous. And also, you hear Dana saying like uh, <laughs> Colby's getting the title shot because if Cameron Usman didn't exist, Colby would have been the champion for the last few years. I'm like, are you? That's not how it works. Are you serious? Like, what <laughs> if John Jones didn't exist, loads of people would have been champion. <laughs> it's just bizarre. As but fucking when's Josh Koscheck getting his title shot as well? I'm thinking like. You know, if if GSP wasn't there, Koscheck would have been champion for like five years. He deserves the aliens are coming, Diego. Yeah, <laughs> first Bobby Southworth's title shot. That's what I want to know. But anyway, yeah. Um, Cowboy in the Hall of Fame thoughts, Graham? Yeah, well, like the whole Hall of Fame thing. Uh, I don't know uh, when you have politics involved, and oh, this guy did something Dana didn't like twenty years ago, and that's why he's not there, and all this stuff going on. It it just degrades us massively and I just don't really care about it. Um even these wings they have and stuff is just stupid to me. Um yeah, I don't know. Um like cowboy you know, putting the guys they like and not putting the guys they don't like. And yeah. you know, it's not about what you did in terms of your actual performances and accolades and all that stuff. It's just about it's some about that, but it's also about politics and who likes who and who's, you know, who's played ball. 
I I don't really understand Hall of Fames because it's a very American thing. Like, but I think most, I listened to Dave Meltzer talking about his Hall of Fame, and he talks about it being like the baseball Hall of Fame, and it being a very uh, merit based thing. That like, there's really good wrestlers throughout the years who are not in the Hall of Fame because they didn't meet like the criteria of being like draws and all of these different things. And you have to like in the baseball one, I'm sure the basketball one, you have to have a high achievement, um, and. I'm glad that we don't have a real MMA Hall of Fame, but I'm glad that the UFC Hall of Fame isn't that. I'm glad the Cowboy got in, to be honest. Like, would he get into any other sports Hall of Fame for what he's done? No, you know, he failed. I, I think someone said he's 0-4 in UFC and WEC title fights. But he was an entertaining guy throughout the years, an entertaining character, fought some really good guys, fought in short notice. And MMA is as much about Exciting fights, loads of finish, would fight yeah. on whenever they wanted him to fight on short notice. Yeah. Like, you know, all that stuff. That, to me, is a Hall of Famer. Like, Diego Sanchez, to me, is 100% a Hall of Famer. He should uh, 100% be in the Hall of Fame. A guy who went down and produced fights like that. As much as GSP is a Hall of Famer, as much as Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, you know, and Jens Paul have obviously gone in as well this year, all of them lads are Hall of Famers. And I think in the same Hall of Fame, not in the different wings, as you said, or anything like that, that's what MMA is. And I think to give a, a true reflection of the history of MMA, I think exciting guys like that should be in the Hall of Fame. So I'm glad that Cowboy went in. Now, if I, I saw a funny thing last night, and I know you'll be all over this, but someone asked Cowboy, like, what's he been doing since uh, he retired? And uh, I can't remember the second thing he said. Let's say the second thing he said was drinking. He said, like, doing steroids and drinking or something like that. And... Uh, Anderson Silva in the Hall of Fame this year. Cowboy Cerrone, two people who failed drug tests in the past. Like, in other Hall of Fames, would that happen as well? Like, you know, probably not. But I'm I'm completely off the high horse with the drugs things and all. I'm, and I've been for years. Here's a question. We landed on this, Graham. <clears throat> and I was thinking about this last night, right? Let's say Conor McGregor refuses to be part of the USADA system. From now on. Like he says, I am never going to fight again uh, if I have to do USADA. He's like, well, no, I will fight for you. I will fight for you in September against Michael Chandler. Wherever you want, wherever in the world, for this amount of money, I will absolutely do it. But I refuse to take part in this USADA thing. Do you think the UFC put on the fight? Um, If he comes out and says it and kind of looks like he's power moving them and forcing them into something, maybe not. But I think, you know, as an overall, I think a private contractor who's like, you know, <laughs> out of camp or whatever, being woken up at four in the morning, no matter who it is, is, is a bit ridiculous. Um, it's just a difficult one because you don't want guys in there like, you know, Vitor Belfort up there knocking out people's eyes and things like that, like doing serious damage to people. But you said it's just a, just a, I don't know, just a mess and. You know, just the recent, even the recent things are over the years with the Nate Diaz coming out and saying what they told him, and um, uh, just the the IV thing recently, and and you know, the whole Mark Hunt Brock Lesnar situation is just a mess. And I think the UC would probably uh, <laughs> like to get rid of it. I think it was there as a function. I think uh, to professionalize in quotation marks the, the sport and make it like a real uh, sports league when they were trying to sell the company and it's probably hassle they don't need um, and you know something that the fighters obviously don't want to be woken up and stuff like that but there has to be you know there has to be some kind of I think testing um, 
if you just let guys go in there fully you know juiced up and people get brain damage and then the future these lawsuits are going to come and you're basically fucked yeah i uh, difficult situation it is a difficult situation because like it feel and I like I I don't know maybe I'll change and maybe this time next week he'll have start putting in tests and stuff but it feels like he's no interest in doing that anymore and I like as you said I wonder do you do the UFC even want to do this anymore like could this be the time when they actually change and when they actually get rid of Usada May, like maybe like oh, I'm the UFC right now and going well like we're getting rid of Usada we're going to bring in someone else water or whatever in the meantime you know over the next six months we're going to have the commission testing they're still getting tests and until we get a new uh you know new provider or whatever and they never do it just just like oh, yeah, oh we forgot you know that that's what the UFC should do they should actually just get rid of it like and i thought this for a while i i think luke thomas was right a hundred like having it there and getting rid of it and then if something happens to somebody and they they see you in the future and like yeah. Jesus, do you oh, like the UFC? Don't seem to care about that at all. Like you know, so I don't know. What, what, like, ugh, I don't know. I I think the idea of Usada was great, but I think in practice, I think it's it's and it's supposed to be like pro fighters. And I think it's like massively anti fighter in a lot of way, especially the lower down guys. Uh, like it's it's probably a bigger conversation for another day, but yeah, I think like and we've been saying this. I I said this a couple of times before the McGregor situation, but I think the McGregor situation has really brought it to light how unfair and weird it is, and and even not from really necessarily even for McGregor. I think more so for for other people, but um, yeah, and like look what they did to Tom Lawler, look what they did to Manny fighters, and now they're not even telling us. They're just it's all completely in the dark. Is that what you said it was supposed to be? I thought you said it was supposed to be the truth being unveiled. Just bizarre. But anyway, we leave it at that. Um, right. Patreon.com forward slash Severe May Podcast. At Sean Sheen BA. At Severe May. At Severe May Pod. Follow us over on Instagram as well. SevereMay.com. And uh, yeah, check us all out. If you're not subscribed, please do. Our numbers have grown massively over the last six months. And we're massively appreciative of all of you. But still and all, I think like... I think like 80% of our listeners are not subscribed. Something massive like that. So if you are listening, just hit the subscribe button, whether you're on SoundCloud, whether you're on Spotify, whether you're on iTunes, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, wherever, please hit the subscribe button, hit the like button and all of that. Tell a friend, tweet it out, put it on Facebook, tag us, and we will uh, we will share it. Graham, inspirational quote of the week. Throw it at us. It's time the tale were told of how you took a child and you made him old. See you next week. Good luck.